Hello and welcome. You're listening to me, Alice, on the Backtracker History Show podcast. Join me as we go delving through the archives to find out about people, places and events that happened in the past. These were stories that were big news in their day, but are largely forgotten now. Most of these podcasts have been specially edited from a Bradley Stoke radio show in Bristol, England. And one of the great things about this podcast is that I can go into more detail about each story because there are no time constraints. And it's really easy to show your support just by spreading the word, leaving reviews and sharing with all your family and friends. It really does help. If you want to get in touch with me with show ideas, comments or information, you can via Twitter or Facebook by using at Backtracker UK with a capital B, capital T and a capital UK or emailing me at info at backtracker.co.uk Now, on with the show. Today, in this episode, we'll be celebrating the 200th anniversary of the foundation of the Royal National Lifeboat Institution, or the RNLI. And its inception traces back to the visionary efforts of Sir William Henry, who was born on the 4th of January 1771. So let's take a look at that year and see what happened. Well, on the 12th of February, when Adolf Frederick passed away, he was succeeded as King of Sweden by his son, Gustav III. At the time, however, Gustav was unaware of this since he was abroad in Paris, and the news of his father's death reaches him about a month later. On March the 15th, the Smetonian Society of Civil Engineers meets for the first time in London. It's the world's oldest engineering society. April the 4th sees the first quarantine starting in Moscow and St. Petersburg to fight the bubonic plague epidemic. Over the next 12 months, more than 52,000 people die from the plague in Moscow alone. July the 12th, the first voyage of James Cook around the world ends as HMS Endeavour returns to England after almost three years. On the 8th of August 1771, the first recorded town cricket match is played at Horsham in England. And lastly, on December the 3rd, the course of action in Somerset's case, which eventually leads to the end of slavery in Great Britain, begins when escaped slave James Somerset is found imprisoned on the ship Anne and Mary. But as I said earlier, 1771 is also the year of birth of Sir William Hillary. With a background as a Quaker from a Yorkshire family, he was the son of the merchant Richard Hillary and his wife, Hannah. And William would come up with an idea that would save thousands of lives. Word of the Week And the word I give you this week is... Bottomry. 
Now I want you to get your mind out of the gutter and realise that bottomry is a maritime contract which is now almost obsolete, in which the owner of a ship borrows money for equipping or repairing the vessel and, for a definitive term, pledges the ship as security. Sir William Henry grew to become a British militia officer, creating the first Essex Legion of the Infantry and Cavalry. He was also an author and philanthropist, who had once been wealthy, but after falling into debt, he fled England and went to live on the Isle of Man in 1808. Sir William was deeply moved by the frequency of shipwrecks along the treacherous Irish Sea near the Manx coast, and with this in mind, he conceived the idea of establishing a national lifeboat service, manned by trained crews. He distributed a pamphlet of his idea to the British Navy, governmental ministers and esteemed citizens, advocating for the establishment of a national institution for the preservation of lives and property from shipwreck. Central to his proposal was the concept of assembling a dedicated cohorts of individuals poised to risk their own lives to save others, irrespective of nationality or familiarity, solely because they shared the common bond of humanity facing imminent peril. At the core of this proposed institution's mission lay several fundamental priorities. First and foremost, the rescue of human life from shipwreck. Secondly, providing aid to vessels in distress. Thirdly, safeguarding vessels and their contents. Fourthly, preventing looting and damage during maritime disasters. Fifthly, extending care and assistance to rescued individuals. And sixth, recognising and rewarding those who exhibit extraordinary courage in saving lives or aiding distressed vessels. Despite how important Sir William Hillary's proposal was, he faced indifference from the Admiralty, who refused to support his plan. In 1936, the Royal National Lifeboat Institution was presented with a letter from the Council of the Society for Nautical Research, written by the NLI founder, Lieutenant Colonel Sir William Hillary. This letter was dated February the 18th, 1823, to Lord Melville, at the time First Lord of the Admiralty, and was discovered by Major Fires among the Melville papers. In this letter, Sir William Hillary appealed to the First Lord for his support. In conjunction with the government and the nation, in forming a national lifeboat service with branches in every part of the British coast, which should be... Worthy of the government and people of the British Empire. And so the records of the Admiralty show that his proposal was considered... Worthy, at least of consideration. Although... It was not deemed at all necessary for the Admiralty to take any immediate lead with respect to it. on the street. 
Today, my friends, we venture forth to Lanaway Road in BS16, Bristol. There was a man who lived in the area in the early 19th century called Lanaway. His residence was called the Hermitage and is described as being a homestead with a very pretty gabled roof. It had lawns and the flower gardens, ornamental ponds and specimens of drooping and other trees in abundance. At the time, there were only a few cottages and the occasional larger property in the area. The Hermitage was demolished many years ago and houses were built on the site. In fact, one of the new roads was called Hermitage Road. After the unenthusiastic response from the Admiralty, Sir William Hillary enlisted the support of influential philanthropists in London, such as Member of Parliament Thomas Wilson, who was the energetic Liberal MP for Southwark, and shipping magnate George Hibbert, Whig MP for Seaford and Chairman of the West Indies Merchants. United in their efforts, they advocated for the cause, resulting in the creation of the Institution for the Preservation of Life from Shipwreck. This institution was officially founded during a notable gathering at the City of London Tavern on the March the 4th, 1824, 200 years ago this month. It was presided over by the Archbishop of Canterbury, Charles Manners Sutton. This founding meeting attracted considerable public interest and support, and among the aristocrats, clerics, politicians, naval officers, brokers, bankers, merchants and philanthropists were anti-slavery campaigner William Wilberforce and sea safety guru Captain George Manby. During that historic meeting in the City of London Tavern in March 1824, the crowd unanimously passed 12 resolutions, including... That an institution can now be formed, to be supported by donations and annual subscriptions. That such immediate assistance be afforded to persons rescued as their necessities may require. That the subjects of all nations be equally objects of the institution as well as in war, as in peace, that medallions or pecuniary rewards be given to those who rescue lives. Little did they know at the time, but these 12 resolutions would still stand as part of the RNLI's charter 200 years later. Two months after the initial meeting, Sir William Hillary wrote, This institution has been honoured by the high patronage of the King, sanctioned by many of the most distinguished characters in the church and state and sustained by the bounty of a generous nation it only remains for me to express the heartfelt satisfaction that this institute is now established on principles which will extend its beneficial effects to the most distant shores and to generations yet unborn and Sir William Hillary truly practised what he preached because he took part in the 1830 rescue of the packet St George, which had run aground on Conister Rock. Despite being 60 years old at the time, Sir William commanded the lifeboat and played a pivotal role 
is saving all those aboard as well as the distressed vessel. This heroic endeavour prompted the construction of the Tower of Refuge on Conister Rock, completed in 1832, serving as a beacon of hope for mariners in peril. And Captain George Manby, who was at that meeting in the pub, was also no stranger to nautical disasters. On February the 18th, 1807, Sir George William Manby, then a witness, observed the distressing wreck of the Royal Navy ship HMS Snipe off Great Yarmouth during a fierce storm. The HMS Snipe was carrying French prisoners of war along with women and children when it ran aground perilously close to the shore. Tragically, the incident resulted in the loss of 214 lives, including the prisoners, women and children aboard. And so, in response to this devastating tragedy, Manby dedicated himself to finding a solution to eight ships in distress. He began experimenting with mortars, leading to the invention of the Manby mortar. This device later enhanced with the addition of the breeches buoy, operated by firing a thin rope from the shore into the rigging of the distressed vessel. Once secured, a stronger rope could be pulled aboard the ship, facilitating the rescue of those in peril. It's said that Manby's inspiration for this invention stemmed from an early experiment in his youth in 1783, when he successfully shot a mortar carrying a line over Downham Church. This experience laid the groundwork for his later innovations and contributions to maritime rescue technology. In 1849, Prince Albert's endorsement further elevated the institution's standing leading to the deployment of the first lifeboat at Douglas as recognition of Sir William's tireless efforts. Subsequent reorganisation under the presidency of the Duke of Northumberland marked a significant milestone for the institution, culminating in its renaming as the Royal National Lifeboat Institution, or the RNLI as we know it today, on October 5th, 1854 with the Duke being hailed as the second founder. In 2022, RNLI lifeboats launched a total of 9,312 times around the UK and Ireland, with lifeboat crews and RNLI beach lifeguards saving a total of 506 lives. At the time of recording this show, all up-to-date information was embargoed until the actual date of the celebrations, to which I've been invited to take part and interview various volunteers, past and present, who will be talking about their experiences with the RNLI and why they joined. So that will be included in the next show, giving you something to look forward to. Light the candles, get yourself a fresh cup of something hot or a glass of something chilled and settle back to enjoy a selection of 100% spoiler-free book reviews. Whether you're a fan of cosy mysteries, horror, romantic comedies, science fiction or anything else you might find on the bookcase, Being Bookish is a great place to start. Join me, your host Ray, as I take a joyride through the books on my bookshelves 
and journey into new territories with recommendations every week. You may even hear a few interviews with authors along the way. Find every episode of Being Bookish wherever you find your podcasts. In the news today, airport police say that the number of people smuggling helium balloons in their luggage is under control, but cases are continuing to rise. Back in the day facts. And so we start with the 2nd of March 1882, when Queen Victoria just escapes assassination when Roderick Maclean shoots at her while boarding a train in Windsor. On the 3rd of March 1931, Cab Calloway records Minnie the Moocher, which becomes Jazz's first million seller. Cab Calloway was an American musician known for his relationship with the Cotton Club in Harlem, where he was a regular performer. On the 4th of March, 1924, 100 years ago, Happy Birthday to You was first published by Clayton Sonny. On the 5th of March, 1496, English King Henry VII grants John Cabot, or Giovanni Cabotto, a commission to explore four new lands. Cabot departed from the port of Bristol in 1497, aboard his ship, the Matthew, and reached the coast of what is thought to be Newfoundland in June of 1498. He returned to England and was rewarded by the king. Cabot rose to prominence as a Venetian merchant who travelled widely, after leaving Venice due to bad debts, he reached England in 1495. On the 6th of March 1976, Wales clinched their 7th Five Nations Rugby Championship title, 7th Grand Slam and 13th Triple Crown with a 1913 win over France at the National Stadium in Cardiff. On the 7th of March 1968, the BBC broadcasts news for the first time in colour on television. And lastly, on the 8th of March 1961, US nuclear submarine Patrick Henry arrives at Scottish naval base of Hollylock from South Carolina in a record underseas journey of 66 days and 22 hours. Well, I'm afraid that's the end of today's show. But don't worry, because I'll be here same time, same place next week. And I'll have some exciting interviews and more stories about the RNLI. And without much ado, I'd like to thank those who brought today's show to life. And they are Rose Hale, Steve Yeo, Steve Shepherd, and Marcus KP. Thank you one and all. Thank you once again for listening to me, Alice, on the Backtracker History Show. If you'd like to get in touch with me, you can find me on Twitter or Facebook by looking up at Backtracker UK with a capital B, a capital T and a capital UK. I also occasionally post onto TikTok and Instagram. 
So do come along and find me because it's amazing to hear from you and get some feedback or even ideas for future shows. As a small independent podcaster, your help and support is always appreciated. And one way you can do that is to rate the show wherever you get your podcasts. Leaving a review also helps as it gives other people an idea of what the show's about. The show is regularly released on Mondays. So until next time, guys, take care and look after each other.